You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. That's what we're going to do. What do we want? What do we want? No, we want it now. I haven't flipped flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter. Over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. You're listening to Represent. Yui, this is our second last show after our... This year's gone so fast. I know. And we've had our election coverage last week, which we hope you will listen to. (laughs) And I think it went really well. Yeah, I agree. It was heaps of fun. Do you have any? Do you want to? Do you have anything to summarize the events of last weekend? Well, actually, I'm so glad you asked. Don't want to go into your segment too much, but just you know. Well, it was overall a pretty surprising result. I think everyone expected Labor to just kind of fizzle out a bit. Yeah, we Um, thought it was going to be tight. Yeah, we. I definitely did, and we agreed that we thought it would be. But no, they got. Well, on the night, it seemed like they'd gotten the same majority as they had for the last term, which was pretty surprising. But um, there are some close seats that haven't been called yet, mm. which are Won't not- go into those yeah, yet. We'll go into them a bit later. Save those. Exactly. Keep listening. Keep listening <laughs> for those. Um, so, we're obviously, we're going to have a little bit of an election recap later a on in the show. if you will. A sum up. And then I'm going to be talking about... I guess we could use the word drama. We and Brady love a little drama. <laughs> we do. The drama around the Indigenous voice to parliament, parliament, which has been really in the news this week. Definitely. And I also, this is just coincidental, I'm pretty sure they've been running these advertisements since September, but I only just saw an advertisement for the voice to parliament. I haven't seen any. Oh, I saw I, I saw that um, they'd released them in September, but maybe. Oh. Anyway, I saw one on the That's other night. Like on, on TV. TV. Yeah, and I was oh. like, wow, because I didn't realise that they were... Um, Campaigning already? Yeah, I thought they hadn't really announced whether they were going to do it yet. Yeah. Like, you kind of thought we were, but we weren't sure. But no, it's not necessary. It doesn't have a set date for the referendum yet, but it's like the premise of the advertisement is like talking about how we should start talking about what oh, we'd okay. like say, what if we'd say yes or no right. in the referendum kind of thing. Yes, okay. But anyway, it was a good ad, and I was just surprised that they were already campaigning. I was like, yeah, wow. That seems very early, given it's going to be, like, next year. I reckon they might be doing it years. earlier then. Well, they no, they said they said 18 months. Oh, okay. But I want, I feel like they're going to do it, like, a bit earlier and yeah, 18 months. 
You're listening to Represent here on Sin. We're going to go straight into our election recap slash debrief. Bridie, yeah. do you want to take it away? Sure. So it was, you know, a long session for us on Saturday night, so we're just going to make this one quite short. Basically, everything that everyone expected happened, and there are only like six seats that are still really, really close, like within a 1,000 votes. One of them is five votes, or it was this morning. I did see that, but I actually didn't read on and didn't actually look well, what seat it was. Aren't you Tell glad me. that I'm here? <laughs> so we'll go from biggest uh, margin to smallest. Oh, you're going to make us away. Yeah. <laughs> so Hastings, which is the seat with Paul Mercurio, the strictly boring oh, yeah. guy running. We thought on that the night that on the it night. was exactly. We thought he was pretty much sorted, but at the moment he's only ahead by 659 votes. So I read an article on the ABC last night, but I actually could not find it today. I was really annoyed about it. Um, but it was saying that, like, I couldn't quite remember, which is why I was looking for it again. But, like, you can't – they're not doing preference flows or, like, fully doing preference flows until next week or something because there's still – Is that the group ticketing thing? Well, I got the impression it was for the lower house as well because there are still postal votes coming in that were sent in, like, on the day mm. because they have – like, there's the deadliners, I think, Tuesday – so they're still allowed to get more votes because mm. of the post. So, like, there's still a heap of votes that are flowing in, um, and so these things are changing in these seats. So in Preston, the Labor Party leads by 634 votes, which is very close. Um, this was an interesting one. On the night, we found that the ABC was doing this thing where they'd say the VEC is, like, mm, counting yeah, yeah. between Labor and the Greens, but we think it's going to be a Labor-Liberal contest. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were doing that for Preston, so the VEC is doing, like, Labor v. Greens, but the ABC thinks that it's going to be... Still Labor versus Liberal? Labor versus Independent, oh. actually. Yeah, so Labor's only ahead by a tiny bit ahead of this Independent, which I thought was interesting. Um, the next one is Mornington, which is where we had this MP, Kate, or... The candidate, Kate Lardner, who was an independent, who had COVID mm. that week, and she yeah, was yeah, yeah. zooming on to the ABC. And they were all celebrating having their party. Been. Exactly. Is it now too close to call? Well, the Liberal Party is ahead by 383 votes. Oh, so that sucks. I You think know. you've got it and you have a congratulatory party. Then. Exactly. How long can they, like have it hanging for like is there well, some point where you've just got to go right we can't not have an M- a mp i think that there's probably a deadline there's definitely a deadline of like when they can stop accepting votes um but i think that the deadline i'm not sure what the deadline for actually counting is because obviously they have to declare the results like at some point mm. you know like as you know all the time everyone has to declare their results <laughs> in every election um the next one is Bass, which is where Labor's ahead by 233 votes. That wasn't a very um, big contest on the night because I don't remember talking about it at all. Um, Neither do I, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's so close and yet no one really cared about it. <laughs> um, the last one is Pakenham, which ah, is where that's the, five votes. the Liberals are ahead by five votes. So that's interesting because Labor had very strong swings towards it in the east, um, which Unpacalum's down in the very southeast of the city. So I thought that was quite fascinating. I wonder why they've had this kind of swing against them because they'd been holding the seat. A swing against Labor? Yeah, and so close to the Liberals when Labor's performed quite well in that area of Melbourne. Mm. 
That is interesting. Yeah, but I didn't know why, and um, I'm pretty sure you don't either. <laughs> no, I do not. Maybe we need we need Jake back to get yeah, us we do. The there are a couple of like surprising results that I think people didn't expect, and one of them is that Northcote um, Labor actually ended up retaining it rather than we thought the Greens were going to mm, get that. But they ended up kind of losing a few of those seats we thought yeah. that they had. They only have four, I think. Yeah, I read that like a Confirmed. lot of the postal votes ended up favouring Labour mm. a lot more. And that was the same that happened in Albert Park where Labour's retaining that as well instead of the Greens taking that one. And in Hawthorne, where it was John Pesuto, John Kennedy and the Liberal uh, – sorry, the Independent, Melissa Lowe, mm. John Pesuto's actually regained his seat. I know, so he's I had a bit of a comeback. That. That well, I just I just feel for the for them when they think they've won it and yeah. then, then you have to find out you don't. That's the Definitely. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Definitely. Um, today I was on, uh, Smith Street and I was, nice. and saw like, um, I don't remember her first name, but Dimitri's like, that, oh, yeah. um, her like office on Smith Street in Richmond yeah. and a big like greens one like thing. <laughs> Cause that was one of their new seats. Yeah. yeah. Richmond and uh, what was the other one? I can't quite remember actually. Oh, Brunswick. Brunswick, no, no, Melbourne, no, no. Richmond. Brunswick. Yeah. Um, doesn't matter. Well, they were close to Footscray. Where did that go? Oh, that's to Katie a good Hall? question, actually. Let me have a look. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it did end up going to Katie Hall, really, because um, like a lot of the others, it very much just kind of came back in favour of mm. her. Like, they'd called it for the Greens. Yeah, I mean, you still can't deny it. the swings, though. Oh, definitely. They're still very good swings. I think that um, I wonder, like, the trend of... Maybe a few older people sending in postal votes who mm. didn't go into, like, polling booths on the day and a lot of young people going into polling booths on the day voting for Greens and a lot of older people sending in a vote and voting for Labor. Yeah, very true. Yeah, well, there was a 13.5% swing to the Greens in Footscray, but it wasn't mm. enough to hold on to it because Katie Hall's won it with 54% of the vote. Mm. Do you know anything about the swings, like, when they're that strong, like, the same with the swing to Liberal out in the West, even though the Labor mm. still won. Do you know anything about, like, when, like, how strong can that swing be until it obviously just turns into Liberal territory? Well, it depends how big the margin is in mm. the first place because, like, if there was a 1% margin and it was a 2% swing, that would push it yeah, over to right. the other side. But, like, over in the West, they're, like, the mar- double-digit the margin margins, so like 20% margins, and so... Even having like a fifteen percent swing to the Liberals, it wouldn't really matter. Yeah, which is definitely interesting. I think it's fascinating that Pasco Vale was also quite close between yeah, the Greens the green, and yeah. um, Labor. Oh, and they've actually updated in Pakenham. Um, they're even, like they're even. actually even. <laughs> <gasps> that is so nail biting. Yeah, you just be. Oh, I just can't imagine. Paran like, is the, the other Green seat. Oh, that was one of their new seats. No, oh, that no was just, another. that's just one of theirs. They had so many close ones. Yeah. So the wow. only one they've gained is actually... Um, Richmond. Richmond, yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, have we... F- is that the end of our recap, Bridie? It sure is. All right, we'll go into another song. Got a lot of songs today. And then we're going to go into this Indigenous Voice to Parliament. So we'll go into our next segment. Um, so this is all about the Indigenous 
voice to parliament, which we've spoken a little bit about like over this season, over this year. And it is one of the three objectives of the 2017 Uluru Statement. Um, and it would consist of a permanent body representing First Nations people, which would advise, go- advise government on Indigenous policy. And Prime Minister Albanese has pledged a referendum on The Voice, and this is said to be hold- held within the next 18 months. So, the, the, as we've kind of talked about on the show, the Indigenous Voice Department has been in the news this week because the Federal National Party has confirmed that they do not want to support it, and they are the first major party to announce their opposition. The National Party has done so because they believe that the Voice would not adequately represent and support Indigenous people in remote communities and would only lead to the empowerment of elites. So I, when they when they say elites, I think they mean like urban kind of figures. That's a bit of a weird phrase for me, like elites. It I, is a weird phrase, but it's, it's a what a red it's flag. a quoted. Um, no, 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 like word. I believe it. I'm not saying that to like. No, no, <laughs> no, no, ha- not hating on me, but yeah, like yeah. no, it's but a just like word. in general, like I yeah. just think that's such a red flag in a anything for me, like something political. It just seems so like it is a weird thing to say because I think all they really mean is just urban communities and yeah. maybe like people who have like a strong figurehold or like yeah. But I'm still I don't know if those people would necessarily be elites, but anyway, it's so weird. Um, so this decision is largely backed by Jacinta Nampajimpa, a Awarapuri Celtic woman, woman and a senator for the National Party. And she says that she's pleased with her party's decision and that, and I quote, we have to stop dividing our nation along the lines of race. What do you think about that, Bridie? I just think it's like, I mean, obviously you and I are both white. We're both sitting here in the middle of Melbourne, like literally in the centre of the city and like we're, you know, in a very privileged position. But I just think it's so like the entire, every foundation that this country is built on is of division by race and like it isn't going to change if we don't change anything. Like Mm. it hasn't been fixed so far. And she just sounds like she wants to keep it the same and, like, nothing's going to change if we keep it the same. That's what Yeah, it just seems counter completely counterproductive and counterintuitive to what she's saying. I mean, for me, it feels like that statement would be okay if we were, like, 20 years on in the future and we've, like, made a few changes and maybe it's exactly. time to, like, you know, just, you know, stop stop dividing on race. Because I agree that I, I guess it does create animosity and I the- guess – for like for like a na- like to divide a nation like it could be like making people But angry, I think the nation the nation's already divided yeah, like, which is what I mean like I feel like in 20 years time maybe I'd be like yeah if things had changed yeah. I'd be like yeah okay but I think we probably thought that you know however 15 years ago mm. when Kevin Rudd did the apology yeah true and nothing's really changed since then mm. um so there's there's me and Bridie's little Opinion trust. <laughs> That's what, what do you think? So we think that. So there's another player in this game, and he's who he's a journalist, David Spears, host of The Insiders, and he wrote an article for yesterday for the ABC, and he's obviously kind of done some like looks looked into this uh, uh, report that details the design process of the voice and kind of like how it would be, how it would happen, what it would consist of, and. 
This report supposedly does address the National Party's concerns that those in urban communities will be favoured over remote and regional. And he says that the report states that it would combat this and that those in these communities would be given greater representation in the makeup of the voice than those in urban areas. So along with this, Spears suggests that the real reason for the National Party's no is to put pressure on a very volatile Liberal Party to follow suit. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's um I think there are a lot of people who would hear like that country people or like rural, regional, remote people are going to be given more representation would see that as a bad thing, as like unequal. But I kind of think like for me, I think that's fine. Like mm. so much of our country geographically is yeah, regional exactly. and rural. And like yeah, to me it just makes sense and I feel like there are gonna be a lot of people who are like, no. Why is it uneven? Why mm. isn't it just split? I'm sure there will be. And obviously there's, like, Indigenous people, no matter where they are, obviously experience yeah. unequity. But I feel like you definitely have more opportunities in the city. Yeah. And, like, the, the you know, the health, mm. the social services and housing. Education. Education in rural areas is just horrible. So mm. I think it definitely – if this is all about, like, trying to have, like, an Indigenous voice to implement better legislation, I feel like it should be those out. Yeah, in regional communities who are like because anything that benefits off. like indigenous people in an in, in a rural community is going to benefit yeah, everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So right, Brady. <laughs> Look at us go. Okay. <laughs> um, but this creates a very difficult decision for the Liberal Party, who need to maintain a good relationship and support from the National Party because they're like kind of in a little together thing. A coalition, if you will. Um, a coalition, but they're also the Liberal Party. This is are very aware of winning back those electoral seats. So this is the federal I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Those electoral seats that they lost to, like, Teal Independence, Greens, Labor, in, like, you know, inner Melbourne, inner Brisbane, mm-hmm. in inner Sydney, all those inner city, like, seats. So they're very aware of, like, trying to, you know, appeal to these voters that they likely lost because they would have supported something like an Indigenous voice to parliament and were kind of looking. I don't want to say progressive because I don't want it to seem like when if people vote no to this and they're not being progressive, but, like, yeah. a more progressive stance towards, like... Just towards Indigenous social justice and stuff. And so, and, you know, as we can even see from our Victorian election, the Liberal Party is in desperate need of managing this kind of dissent from their party and meeting those more left-leaning voters halfway. Mm. So I think they're, like, put in a really awkward position I think I would hate to be Peter Dutton right now. This is such a tough, like, spot that the Nationals have put them in. Like, politically... It's kind of sneaky. It's smart. It's kind of iconic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, of, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Period. Snake queen. <laughs> no, like, it's so hard because also, like, the Liberals want to get those votes in the outer suburbs as well where people aren't as left-leaning and they're more conservative. And um, that's just kind of, mm. like, the... I think they're going to need to just choose one or the other. Yeah, I, don't I think do they too. can have it both ways. I think they're really going to need to choose a new identity. Like Definitely, especially after this election down here. Like yeah. It's just everyone thought that after 2018 the results would correct themselves because mm. there was such a huge swing. And the fact that they haven't, I think, means that there's going to be a lot of soul searching mm. in what do you, both the Liberal Which one do you think parties? they should pick? Like, do you reckon they should pick, like, the more left-leaning side of the Liberal Party or, like, just go towards the National Party and just Well, I don't know. I think it's really tough because there's so many, like, I think it's probably electorally 
more viable to do the left-leaning thing and move more centrally because people do tend to vote for centrist kind of positions. Whereas if they go towards the right, like, they'll end up with those fringe people. Like, there was a Mm. lot of kind of furor in the last couple of weeks about some of the Liberal down here in the state elections upper house ticket and how they were, like, anti-vaxxers and, like... Oh, like, in the upper house. Yeah. Mm. Like, in I can't remember exactly what it was, but there were, like, two women who'd been pre-selected and then it turned out that they had these horrible views that were, like... I think one of them was, like, anti-same-sex marriage and stuff like that, Mm, like just really extremist. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I think that alienated a lot of people. Mm. And so I think that if they don't kind of go towards the left, they're just going to end up appealing to this very fringe group of people and then it just gets smaller and smaller. Mm. This is kind of a little off topic, but how did you feel about the upper house? Honestly, I didn't look at it that much. I think there was not... Um, there was like a kind of an equal amount of Liberal Labor and then a few Greens and then a few. I think I heard that Fiona Patton might have lost. I heard that seat, too. Yeah, which I was really shocked by. And there's like an animal justice seat and maybe like maybe it's like a, so- a Vic socialist seat. Yeah, it looks like um, Fiona Patton has lost her seat actually. Yeah, and there's that Fishers Shooters and oh yeah, Shooters Fishers Farmers. And then there um, was another seat mm-hmm. that I thought was oh the the cannabis seat. Yeah, they've got yeah, three. I know. And um, One Nation has one as well, which mm. is a bit, oh, God. Do we really need them? Darren Hitch's party is all out. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because he was quite big in politics for a mm. while there. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've, dera- we've derailed off our topic a bit, but we'll come back. So, of course, what we've talked about a lot on this show and that we've emphasised is that referendums are more likely to be successful if they have bipartisan support. And that kind of brings back into this whole idea if the Liberal Party were to back the Nationals and say no, this bipartisan support would be lost and I guess we'd be a little bit worried about how this referendum would go. However, Spears says that without bipartisan support, all hope doesn't need to be lost and that polls have suggested that there is a two-third majority support for the voice to Parliament and this is before even any real campaigning has even begun. And he also points out that the National Party have obviously a very stronghold in Queensland but you know a referendum only needs the majority of states so even though they have this very stronghold over Queensland it doesn't necessarily a no from you know them and then maybe subsequently a no from Queensland who they have influence on doesn't mean that it's going to derail the entire operation Mm. so what do you think of that Bridie? Well I think that referendums like there have only been 8 out of 44 passed ever like, it is tricky to meet the double majority requirement. Like, mm. I obviously, no, we don't need Queensland, but it is a big state. And I also think that everyone kind of hangs a lot of, like, stuff on Queensland about how it's really conservative and it's really, like, redneck. But they have elected a Labor government for, I think, three terms in a row, like, at the state level. Mm. Like, I think there's definitely, like I would say, probably don't, not underestimate them, but I think mm. maybe don't put them in a box kind of just because, mm. just because that's like the popular image. Like I think that's a bit unfair and also mm. a bit short-sighted. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely think in urban areas we saw a green exactly. slide in Brisbane. Like, so, yeah. you know, we'll see how it goes. But Yeah, I think it would be much better to have bipartisan support. Like 
there are a lot of people who, if the liberals don't say something, then they'll just be like, no. Like, if the liberals are against something, they'll be like, no, that's mm. what I believe in. Yeah, like, I trust yeah, them. yeah, right, right. And, I mean, a referendum is tricky to pass. It's tricky to pass, and I also think, but I think if liberal voters said, I mean, the liberal party said yes, I think if they said no, I agree that most, like, all liberal voters about not, not doing it. But if they said yes, I actually think it would kind of put a bit of like I think that people would then have to decide for themselves true because I feel like yeah I think that's probably right I have a few people that I know who are liberal voters and I feel like they can be a little bit racist and I feel like even if liberals said yes they'd still kind of be like oh like why did they say yes like now I'm not sure and like it might persuade them to say yes but I feel like it wouldn't just automatically make them say yes if you know no yeah totally I think it would probably mean there'd be a bit more consideration of it I feel like if I feel like a no is much more kind of binding and easier yes. to say than a yes. Yeah. Because, like, a no just means we'll stay the same. Like, that's easy. That's mm. so, like, it's comfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas, like, saying yes, like, that is going to mean there would be a change. And it, mm. it might not even affect, like, we don't actually know how much it's going to affect our lives. And from what we hear, not very much, really. Yeah, I don't think it but, like, I mean, it's also only legislation pretty... for Indigenous issues anyway. Exactly. So it's not like it's going to be affecting you and me, right? Yeah. <laughs> you are listening to Represent here on Sin. We just made a funny joke about Bridie being a meteorologist. She's our <laughs> on-air meteorologist today and she's going to take it away for us. We're going a bit into the flooding and a bit into yeah. the environment. Yeah, exactly. So we've seen, obviously, the last few months have been pretty crazy down here Um in New South Wales as well, with heaps and heaps of rain. So we've actually had a bit of a report from the CSIRO and the BOM, um, which is saying that there's going to be more extreme weather weather events like torrential downpours, heaps of heat, dangerous bushfires, just heaps of, like, more things. We've heard that Australia is 1.47 degrees hotter than it was in 1910, so... I mean, we've heard heaps and heaps of times that the goal, quote unquote, is the 1.5 degree target. But obviously, if we're already at 1.47, it does not look like we're going to keep global warming under 1.5 degrees, unfortunately. So we've had Tanya Plibersek say that it was sobering reading this report. Um, and the science minister saying that it re- reinforces the urgent need for action on climate change. I think that is a little bit rich when they're not doing very much about it (laughs) yeah like what do you think have we seen that much since labor was elected there hasn't been that much movement that i've seen and i think that um i've read a few things this week and it's all getting jumbled up in my brain but i think that was kind of the sticking point in one of the articles i read is that like what has labor really done yeah especially with cost of living too i think that was that other point Mm. where they're like what have they been doing? I mean, I, they're very obviously getting their pants on with this referendum and they're really got Yeah, on that. but that's not the but, only issue in the country. No, and, like, obviously it's great, but I really think cost of living and the environment is kind of a bit, a little bit more um, important in this yeah. right now kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't really feel like they've done much. And I think it, I was listening to Laura Tingle and she was saying it'll be really mm, interesting. I love Laura Tingle. I know. <laughs> to see how they do the, like, cost of living. Because she was kind of talking about how she thinks politics is going to die down now. Oh, um, okay. And how, like, the kind of the only issue, the most prominent issue will be cost of living and that will be where everyone's kind of, like, honing in on. But there won't be, you know, there won't be the COVID drama and there won't be in more federal elections. And, like, obviously this mm. New South Wales has a state election, but, like, things will start to simmer down after that and, like, it'll really be about what they're doing, like, 
Yeah, you that's know, interesting. Yeah, I think that I feel like I remember a lot, a bit of talk after the federal election being like, it's like politics is calmer now, politics is less dramatic. And I mean, I don't think it really is, but that's mainly, that's not necessarily because of the politicians. I think it's also because there's been a lot that's gone on. <laughs> yeah. I also think, I mean, the, I know this is Victorian Labour, but the SEC mm. thing, I thought that was a pretty good pledge. Like, yeah, that bad. I kind of never read into it that much. I didn't to be read really into it. It sounded practical when I did read a little bit. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything federally. I don't really feel like they're literally doing anything. No, like they've just seemed very quiet. Maybe that's because we're in Victoria and the news has been a bit dominated by Victorian yeah, stuff. Yeah, maybe that's why. But I feel like if they'd done things, we would have heard. Yeah, surely something big we would yeah. have heard. And also, I mean, we had COP27 last like last week and there was just nothing yeah, that happened. Yeah, there's no news about that. Well, because nothing happened, like no one made any pledges. They did a bit on like, oh, I can't, there's like a word for it, where you pay back um, people for the climate like destruction that's happened. Like, like communities that have been destroyed. Yeah, like things like that. Like there was a little bit on that, but that was it. Like, it was really quite a letdown. A letdown. That's yeah. So, so um, we've also obviously we've had the flooding in Northern Victoria, and we, that I'm, we were just talking about this off air, but um, there's just been nothing in the news about that no, anymore. Really um, nothing. Like, I, I don't know the context of this story, so take it with a grain of salt, but I read somewhere that someone was still, like, canoeing from yeah. their house to, like, I'm presuming some kind of local grocery store, like, yeah. supply place and i was like canoeing yeah no there are towns like like i said there are towns in new south wales like i think forbes and condobolan which i think is how you say it um that are still isolated like they're still getting helicoptered in food and medication because they can't access it by road like it's just crazy that i really had to look i really had to look on news websites to find anything about the floods i was really shocked actually but when I did find one, I found an article about a homeless family who live in Rochester, which is one of the first places to be affected by the Victorian floods this year. Um, and so they're homeless. They were living in um, the mum's mum's garage. Um, they don't. They haven't been able to get any flood support from the government because they don't have a fixed address that they can show. All their stuff was in a storing uh, in a shipping container, and that got flooded out. So, like fifteen thousand dollars worth of their belongings, like everything they had almost, has been destroyed by the floods. And all they've been able to get is three hundred and fifty dollars from the Salvation Army in support. I think that is just like so pathetic. It's that like. So shocking. I mean, surely, yeah, I just think that is true. Like, there's got to be another way that you can prove you've been affected. Yeah. I just feel like it's so inconsiderate by the DHHS. I mean, even, like, living in Rochester, if they've experienced flooding for God knows how long, surely you just go, yeah, okay, if you can prove you at least live in Rochester, yeah, we'll just give it to you. Like, I understand maybe proving you live in this area vicinity of flooding like maybe you live you know in the city and you're pretending but like rochester like surely you can prove that and like surely that's enough but even if you have like literally no documents surely they could get someone out there from the department to go and Mm. talk to you like at that point like look at your stuff in the shipping container exactly like literally it's not got to be this hard i just think that is so terrible by the government like i really this, that's really stuck in my mind as being really, really bad. So basically the DHHS wanted them to show ID that has their address 
like proving that they're in a flood affected area. Um, what do you think, moving on a little bit to the sort of like New South Wales, that places could still be cut off for a month from now and like it stopped raining, but what should we be doing to try and alleviate like what could come in the future? I have no idea because I'm not an expert on no. flooding infrastructure, <laughs> well, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I guess we, we talked a bit about in our uh, election content about how someone wanted to vote for someone who would provide flooding infrastructure. And, I mean, we've seen the beautiful way that the wall around the racetrack worked perfectly. <laughs> so I'm sure we could build something yeah. around that, something like that around volatile communities. <laughs> like, I'm sure Just it works the same levy. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of the only thing that comes to mind, but... Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. I mean, I sound like my dad. He was so angry about it. But, like, no, it's yeah, just the most horrible. I mean, I know I just said that I think that saying elite is, like, a terrible thing, but that, it's such an it elitist, elitist thing. thing. Yeah. So, like, we've got places in New South Wales that still have evacuation centres. We've got – we need to find, like, accommodation for 1,600 people in Lismore. Lismore and like the Northern River. That's quite Is that a the big Northern River town. Lismore's big, yeah. Like they've been flooded four times in like two years, or six, actually six times in two years. I think I heard. It's terrible. It would it's, be so disruptive. And just like your stuff gets destroyed, you're partway through rebuilding, and then here it comes again. Yeah. Like you would just be so hopeless. Yeah, and like I don't know how you feel, but. Because I didn't live in Victoria when the flood, I mean, the fires were a really big thing. Mm. I was still in Queensland. And it was still a big thing. I had bad news, but, you know, I wasn't down here. Yeah. But, like, I feel like there was a lot of more support and, like, you know, rage towards, mm, like, the fires. Definitely. But I feel like there's not that much towards the floods. And I don't know if it's definitely. because in, this, in your head you think, oh, fire, I'll die. Whereas with flooding, you kind of don't think you'll die, but people yeah. do. People have died. But I kind of feel like it's not really... Doesn't seem as disastrous. No, definitely. Yeah, no, I definitely and agree. I feel like I wonder if that plays is played into like the news cycles. Why it's not really there? Yeah, that's I feel like the fires were there. Good for thinking, ages. Eh? Yeah, yeah, they definitely were. And I think they had a much more obvious impact as well. They had like there was a smoke. Like you had to wear a mask mm. because there was so much ash and dust and coal in the air. Coal, but you know, <laughs> like that black. Yeah, soot, soot, soot. That's it. Yeah, like it was all over the city. I mean, I wasn't even in Melbourne for some of it either. But like when I got back, it was just so different. I was in Queensland as well, mm -hmm. and it was so different coming from like this, you know, clean, nice, lovely air to literally like <laughs> coughing up, mm. you know, <laughs> black yeah. soot. I think that might play into it a little bit. Uh, yeah. As well, yeah. Thanks for tuning in to represent here on Sin. We've been your hosts, Mimi and Brady. Second last show of the year. Next week we've got a ripper in store. An exciting guest. An exciting guest. We have Samantha Ratnam, Victorian leader of the Greens, confirmed re-elected. Re-elected, of course. Freshly re-elected. Freshly re-elected. <laughs> four seats in tow. Yep. Pot. Well, there was possibly going to be many more. A lot of swings in tow. Yeah. We're so, very excited to talk to her. We're very again. excited to talk to her. And friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> I love saying friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, yeah, I really think it'll be, like, great to hear her perspective yeah, on things. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if she thought maybe that, this, like, it would, that, she, that the seats that they were, like, projected to have might lessen or if she was surprised, mm. 
of course, I probably, Do you know what I'm she's interested probably disappointed. To know, but. Is her what she thought of like the people who she was on the panel with? Because she oh. was there with, I'm pretty sure it was like David Spears and like some journalists, Anthony Green, David Davis. Hmm. I'd be interested to know what she thinks. Just yeah. in Jalen. Just like what it's like to be like that on the night. Uh-huh. Even like we could just not even talk about politics. Just like, uh, yeah, just life. Just, just life <laughs> and like how stressful that would have been. Yeah. And like hearing the updates coming through and like mm. having to contain your reaction. Yeah. I have to say, everyone that I talked to was very impressed by Jacinta Allen um, mm. and like how she performed on the night. I said she wasn't gloating. She was being very respectful and considerate and rah, rah, rah. And I was like, yeah. you go, Jacinta. Next yeah. premiere. I mean, I want, do you think Dan will step down? No way. Really? Why would he? He's riding the wave. Yeah, but he's been there for long enough. I guess he has. But I just feel like that man doesn't seem ready to give it up no. yet. Maybe next election. Yeah. But I feel like he really wanted, and again, because we talked about how the campaigning was very much identity based mm. and you know the face of Dan Andrews face of Matthew Guy. I feel like if it was it was such a it was a really Dan Andrews win. Definitely. So I kind of kinda of imagine him stepping yeah, down that's from a good that. Point. That's kinda of what I mean. Yeah. I don't think he would step down, but people have asked me, Do you think he'll step down? I'm like, no. But yeah. maybe I'll ask maybe and see what she thinks. No. Nah, I think if it was just a Labour win I bet maybe but I just feel like it was a very It was Dan a very Dan win. win. Yeah. You're so right. So you can keep up to date and let us know what you thought of the show on our socials and find us at SimRepresent on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to hear this this podcast or episode again or catch up on any of our old episodes, you can find our podcast on Omni at Represent. And remember to stay political. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast where young people run the show.